Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Summer is here and all I want to do is let my hair down and start making memories again and it wouldn't be the same without a delicious drink. Personally, over the past year, I've been trying to drink less alcohol as I know it can have a negative effect on my well-being. However, I haven't wanted to compromise on the experience or taste and that's when I discovered Atopia. Atopia is an ultra-low alcohol spirit, and I mean low, at just 0.5% ABV, it has the same alcohol content as a fresh pineapple. It's infused with a selection of aromatic botanicals and is best served with your favourite tonic and garnish. Oh, and by the way, it contains 75 times less alcohol than a gin and tonic, which means you can go out and still feel fresh the next morning. I can't wait to enjoy a summer without compromise with Atopia, so join in the fun and head over to Waitrose to get a bottle so you can start creating your summer drinks today. This podcast will contain difficult and real conversations around alcohol and substance abuse. Listener discretion is advised, so please only listen if it feels safe for you. Hi and welcome to Open Mind with me, Frankie Bridge. Today I'm joined by sobriety advocate Millie Gooch. Millie is a journalist, author and the founder of Sober Girl Society, a platform that aims to show the world that you can still live a fun and fulfilled life after you break up with booze. Hi Millie, you Hello. okay? thank you so much for having me. What a great introduction, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> I like to make you feel special and important yeah, from I the get-go. Yeah, I do, I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? How have you found everything over the last, I suppose, like, I suppose we've, in lockdown and everything, people have drunk more. How have you found not drinking through lockdown? Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because, so the stats are kind of saying it's going both ways. So some people right. are drinking a lot more, but alternatively, some people are drinking a lot less. And someone actually said to me, like, do you think you would have drunk more during this pandemic? And I was actually quite a social drinker. So I think for me, this probably would have been quite good, which I think we're seeing with a lot of people in that. For me, it was like going out and partying and being with people. So I don't know what side I I would have fallen on, but it's been really interesting actually to watch. Like we've had a huge surge of people come to the platform to say... I think like at the start of the pandemic, everyone had this kind of attitude of, oh, it's one big party, we're all working from Mm -hmm. home, we can drink gin at 4pm. So they all got really, really excited. And then kind of six months later, they all realised that actually having a 4pm gin every day wasn't necessarily sustainable and that actually they wanted to look at sort of sobriety or at least cutting down. So I think it was this like spike of people, you know, filling their trolleys with loads of booze and then all of a sudden they kind of were really aware of actually the effect that it's been having on them. Yeah, that's true, actually. I've never thought of it like that. I suppose for a lot of people, it is social drinking. That's kind of like, I would more, I'm not the kind of person that would come home and have a glass of wine in the evening, for example. But if I was out with friends, I probably would have a drink. For you, was there a turning point? Was there a moment where you were like, 
I don't like this, I don't want to drink anymore? Or was it a gradual process? I think it was a gradual process. So I kind of started drinking at university and I just drank because everyone else did. And, you know, that was the thing that you did. But it was kind of the perfect thing for me to discover because around then was kind of when I started suffering with anxiety. And I would always say that I was the type of person that was like always in my head and perfectionist. And booze for me was this great, like, relief of that and to get out of my head, to go out, to not think about any of those things. And... At the time, it it kind of worked for a bit and then my drinking got worse and worse and worse. So I would go to a lot of parties. I would black out, not remember things. I would not remember how I got home sometimes. You know, the next few days for me, I used to get that horrendous beer fear, hangover anxiety, and that used to last like two or three days. And I just kept doing it and kept doing it. And then I got to 26 and there was like a spell of a couple of months where I was just going out all the time. I'd I'd just come out of a long-term relationship. So, you know, we're taught that to get over someone, you have to go out and get very drunk. and, And that's what I did. And then it was kind of like a fate. I always think I was on the tube and I read this article in Stylist magazine about this book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. And I thought, God, I really need to cut down on my drinking. And then I went out on a night out in February 2018, got horrendously drunk, don't remember any of it. And the next day I was just this like shell of anxiety. Couldn't remember what I, like worried about what I'd said, what I'd done. And then I just remembered that I'd read about this book. So I was like, oh, I'm going to download it. And it just changed my perspective on everything because it kind of looked at sobriety from what you'd gain rather than focusing on giving something up. It was more about like the joy of sobriety and what you could achieve if you didn't spend every weekend in a pit of hangover doom like I was. So Mm. that was kind of the turning point for me, really. But I would say that it was quite a gradual build up of, you know, poor mental health for me. Mm-hmm. And then what did you gain? So you say it was more about what you would gain and not what you would lose. What did you feel that you did gain? It sounds really silly, but I always say, look, there's not one part of my life that hasn't been positively affected. So I feel like I've got more time. I've got more energy. I've got more money. I just wake up and I'm like, well, I've got this whole day ahead of me instead of like I'm really hungover. And I just feel like my relationships got better because I wasn't annoying my friends on a night out or saying stupid things to them. Just everything got better for me and I felt like I gained so much. And I remember even reading The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, Catherine was kind of saying, you actually tan better if you don't drink because you need like vitamin B to tan. And when you're you're drinking, it kind of depletes your vitamin B reserves. So I was like, I even tan better now, which is, you know, <laughs> I, I used to go on holiday and come back paler because all, all I'd done was kind of go out drinking all week. Mm. And did you find that there was like, a negative response to that with friends and family because I feel like there is this big pressure to drink people just for some reason don't like it if you don't drink on a night out yeah definitely I had a lot of mixed reactions I had a lot of underwhelming reactions which I say were kind of down to the fact that I said I'm never drinking again probably about 400 times we've all said it in our life Mm. and I never ever stuck to it so this time when I said I'm never drinking again my friends just kind of thought, oh, yeah, you will, like, yeah. kind of ignored it. So it was a bit underwhelming, if anything. But then I think I, I got a bit more peer pressure when they started realising that it was actually going to be a thing now. And I think you do get, I mean, I myself, when I was drinking, if someone told me they weren't drinking, I was exactly the same. I'd be like, come on, why aren't you drinking? Don't be boring. And now that I'm on the other side of it, it's very interesting because... 
when I was doing it, I think I was coming from a place of, well, I want you to be as drunk as me because otherwise everyone's going to notice how drunk I am. Mm. So it's interesting to see that now. I think it does hold a mirror instantly up to other people, even though you're not trying to do that. It does make people reflect on their own drinking. Mm. And do you think that... Like, how, do you find it harder to go out now? Are you kind of like, are there certain social events that you'll avoid or not? Yeah, I think I definitely found it hard at the beginning, but now I've just got really used to it. But I've definitely become, I would say, a lot like choosier about what I do. When I was drinking, I could have gone anywhere. Like I could have gone <laughs> to a warehouse rave and stayed there till six in the morning. Whereas now I'm like, okay, well, I need to go somewhere that's got good music. I want to go somewhere that ideally I can actually hear my friends speaking. So I've, I've become a lot more choosier. And I would say I just probably leave a bit earlier when it gets to the point where everyone is not making sense at all that's when I say my goodbyes and go home but it's taken a while to kind of get to the point where I feel really comfortable in social situations not drinking so it's quite hard for a lot of people to sustain sobriety because getting past those initial like six months to a year and doing all those social things is quite unusual and very hard. And do you feel mentally that you're better your mental health is better now that you don't drink? Oh, a thousand percent. Like I still struggle and probably always will. But in terms of it being more manageable, it's so, so much better. Like if I wake up now, whereas before I was waking up in this kind of state of anxious panic, you know, like, what did I say? What did I do? I would just spiral. I couldn't get sort of on top of my anxiety. Whereas now I feel like taking alcohol out of the equation has allowed me to kind of actually have a bit more discipline in my life as well and and know what it is that helps ease anxiety for me so I think that that has really helped it I think there's kind of like two things with mental health and alcohol there's the actual chemical effects of alcohol that we know it affects anxiety depression and can exacerbate symptoms of all sorts of disorders but then you've also got the indirect effects which for me were you know I was always in debt because I spent so much money drinking I never got outside on a hangover so for like a full weekend I didn't see outdoors I was ordering you know Domino's pizza for breakfast because I was desperate to like get through the hangover so all those kind of things added up as well Mm -hmm. and do you feel healthier within your body as well so not just mentally oh a hundred percent yeah the physical effects I have so much energy I just feel brighter and like I can actually take things on I mean Mm. don't get me wrong I thought I would turn into like a yoga like lovely (laughs) person but that's not really happened but in terms of just like being more dedicated to things and sticking to routines and things I've got so much better at. So then what made you then want to start the Sober Girls Society? What spurred that on? So when I stopped drinking, I didn't know anyone else who did not drink. And I had no one, like my friends were really supportive in the end, but I didn't have anyone to say like, oh, hey, what do you think the best non-alcoholic wine is? Or have you got any tips for sober dating? And I looked on the internet and try as I might, I couldn't find anything that was kind of aimed at young British women. Everything was kind of based in the US. Mm. Everything was quite recovery heavy. There was a lot of groups that were kind of talking about mummy wine culture and things like that. And I was 26 and didn't have kids. So I just wanted to start a thing where we could all get together. We could have like bottomless brunch, but a boozeless version and just talk about, you know, hard things about not drinking, good things about not drinking. So I just thought, well, I know how to use Instagram. I thought maybe 10, 15 of us would meet up and chat about things. And then it just escalated beyond anything that I imagined. So do you now meet up with other people that are, you know, because I think some people think, oh, well, 
if you've stopped drinking, then you were an alcoholic and and it doesn't sound like that's that's kind of why you started it you're like well not everyone's an alcoholic some people just don't have a great relationship with it or just don't want to drink and you didn't have that society like you do now so did you find that there were more people like you than you expected yeah, 100%. And I think that's the the reason it's boomed really is because there wasn't anything in that middle ground of people who alcohol wasn't working for them and they just wanted to stop but didn't really feel... And I mean, now I know a lot of people who have like been to AA, been through the programme and love it. But at the time, what I had in my head of what AA was, was 50-year-old men. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's that's not for me. I don't think that's going to be helpful for me. So that's why I started it. And I found so many people who, for like a myriad of reasons, had given up alcohol, whether that was, you know, physical health, mental health, they'd seen a loved one, you know, lose their life to drinking, all sorts of reasons why people didn't want to drink. And they just wanted to find other people who also wanted to do activities that didn't necessarily revolve around drinking. So that's what we started doing when there was enough of us. We said, okay, well, let's do some events. So we started doing like bottomless brunches, all alcohol free. We started doing like dance classes because one of the major things that people said to me was holding them back from, you know, doing a night out sober was how would I ever get on a dance floor? So we were like, okay, well, let's tackle that. Let's do some dance classes. Everyone feels a bit more comfortable. So that's kind of the thing we do. And I think the biggest thing out of this, and I put questions out on Instagram for people to ask you, and the biggest question that came up was how to respond to peer pressure. And I think that like, even I experience, I'm not a massive drinker. And often I do find that I drink just because everyone's going to give me a hard time about it or like I'll walk around with the same glass like all night just so that no one says why haven't you got a drink in your hand like how do you deal with that how would you say to people right okay this is what you should do what's worked for you yeah I think firstly you have to be really confident in your decision if you're not confident like people are going to be able to push you so I would say like before you go out just remember why you're doing it like if you want to write it down so that you can look at it on your phone just remember that you're doing it for you and remember exactly why you're doing it sometimes you could take a cheeky approach I like to flip it back on people and go well why are you drinking and then you could by the time they thought of an answer the question has kind of diverted but I always say where possible, like keep it honest if you feel comfortable with those people. Because I think the temptation is to be like, oh, I'm on antibiotics or, you know, I'm driving. Whereas if you just say, actually, alcohol is really not like great for me at the moment. So I'm just going to have a break. Then people are normally like, oh, okay, that's fair enough. And that can seem quite scary. But sometimes that's just the reply that gets people to stop doing it. Also, you know, do it before you get out on a night out. So like text the group and just say, just so you know, I'm not drinking tonight because then at least it isn't something that you have to bring up when you get there. At least you can kind of get that out of the way. So those are some good things I would say. But if you do feel like it's easier to lie, then you can say you're on antibiotics. You can even pretend that you are drinking, but just go to the bar and ask them for a fake gin and tonic or mm. one of the amazing like alcohol-free options now, and they can do that for you. So if, if that's what you need to do to get through, then do that. Mm. And then, so how would you say like, so you obviously set up your society and that's how you've maybe made like sober friends, but did you feel like you lost friends along the way as well? I personally was actually very lucky and I don't think I have but from experience of talking to a lot of people kind of in the society they have had that experience so I know that it does happen. I would definitely say some of my friendships have changed but I've been really lucky in that people have been happy enough to kind of 
accommodate me if that makes sense so if I say actually I don't really fancy like a big night out do you want to do a brunch instead then they're quite excited by that so I have actually been really lucky but I know a lot of people haven't had the same experience Mm. and did you ever get that feeling of missing out because I think that is the big thing isn't it the whole FOMO like people think oh if I'm not drinking am I gonna be like you know I suppose you are on a different level to everyone else did you go through that stage where you were like oh this isn't as fun now yeah definitely I think it comes in waves as well I remember saying like I went to a bottomless brunch quite early on and I remember sitting down and all my friends were like clinking their glasses and a waiter had come over to me and made some sarcastic comment about the mocktail I'd ordered and I thought oh god like I really am missing out here and then three hours later two of them had cried one of them had thrown up on the floor and the other one had to be (laughs) carried out and I was like actually I'm really enjoying missing out so it's not always like it's not black and white it's not I always get FOMO and uh, sometimes I really love missing out and especially the next day you know everyone's hungover someone's lost their purse someone's and then I that's when I really enjoy it so uh, you know I'm always told flip FOMO into JOMO which is the joy of missing out and that really works for me and I think you probably will feel like you're missing out at some points but for me the missing out is always worth it for the things that I actually don't miss out on oh I am definitely a Jomo person I'm like you know what guys you crack on like I'm quite happy to do my thing like my husband and my sister actually are like massive FOMO people they hate to miss out like even if they don't really want to do something they're like no I just have to be here I have to be involved and I'm like no I'm quite happy to go to bed and let you guys carry on (laughs) and then wake up in the morning and have had a full night's sleep like it's so funny I suppose it's just a way like you say of just a different way of thinking about it like I heard quite a few times on the news around the euros that supermarkets were running out of beer (gasps) and like at first I was like it made me laugh and then I thought god that's quite sad really isn't it that like society and like our country or whatever I don't know what it is like just associate that with like just having a shitload of beer it's just so weird which is strange because it's like such a big like athletic competition like these are athletes at the top of their game who probably don't drink that much but everyone else watching them Mm. does I think people often struggle with like alcohol alternatives and I know like nowadays I mean obviously I work with Atopia so I I know and I I genuinely really like it I was really skeptical about it and as someone who's not a big drinker I was like I think this is nice but Wayne my sister actually they were the two that I was like right you need to try it and tell me if you like it before I decided to work with them and they really liked it so for me that was like a big tick but I know there are some awful alternatives like what are your main kind of go-to's I really like Utopia, actually. So I personally, with the categories, I mean, I've tried pretty much everything there is now. I love the spirit. So things like Utopia, you've got Amplify. There's some really, really great ones out there. And then the beers are amazing. They've got such good beers. There's a brand called Lucky Saint, which is one of my favourite. They're quite a small brand, but they're amazing. The sparkling wines are really good. There's a brand called Naughty, who are incredible. 
but the normal wines are not quite there yet. That is really? like the red, yeah, the red, white, and the rose. If anyone comes out with it, one that is very, very decent, then you know they will be millionaires because that is the only category that isn't quite there yet. And the spirits is great because even like rums are coming to market, whiskies are coming, alternatives, of course. There's like something for everything. So there's so many good ones, but I think the wines are the ones that just need a little, little more fine tuning. But do you find them hard to get when you're out? Because I suppose it's like if you know about these brands and you can go and buy them and if you're going to a party or whatever, you can take them. But I feel like if I was out on a night out, I reckon you're quite limited because like a lot of people said, oh, can I drink anything other than like Diet Coke or whatever? I mean, I love a Diet Coke, but, yeah. you know, it's nice to have options. Do you find that when you go out? Yeah, so the supermarkets are fantastic for them now. You can pretty much go into any supermarket and you can probably get a good alternative. But nights out, not so much. It is getting there because even in like the three years that I haven't been drinking, when I first used to go out, it was like Beck's Blue and that's that was your choice. Whereas now there are a lot more. So a lot of the chain kind of restaurants and bars are stepping up. I went to ZZ's the other day and they've got a really good non-alcoholic menu. And people like All Bar One, they're all kind of expanding their like no and low menu. If I go into a restaurant or a bar and there's not a good selection, I do write a really nice, it's not a complaint email, but I will write an email afterwards just to say like, hey, I think it'd be amazing if you expand your no and low section. And a lot of the time, like they do really appreciate it. I was in Dublin and I went to the bar to order an alcohol-free beer and they said, oh, actually, we've just got this new one in, but we're really like uh, trying to expand our menu. We just don't really know where to start. Do you have any good ideas? And I didn't tell them what I did, but I just said, oh, like, actually, I really like this one and I like this one. And they were like, oh, that's great. Thank you. So often they will appreciate it. So if, if you want to go into your local and there's nothing there, you could help get something there. So you can always say to them, actually, it'd be great if you stop this because they are looking for ideas. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you planning a party, a barbecue, or even a garden soiree this summer? Now we're getting used to hosting again, we have to cater to all the needs of our guests. Lots of my friends and family don't like to drink too much alcohol, but love the taste and the celebration, and there's no reason why they should lose out. I always make sure to have a bottle of Atopia on hand so I can rustle up a quick Atopia and tonic for the designated drivers, expectant mothers or those who just want to take a night off and it even goes down well with the big drinkers too. I believe moderation shouldn't come with a compromise. To get started on your cocktail journey, head over to Atopia Spirits to get inspired. And why do you think I've often like not understood with people, especially people who have recovering alcoholics and stuff like why you would then choose to have an alcohol free version of an alcoholic drink? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because for me, if I drink alcohol, I don't really love the taste. Yeah. So I find it strange that people want the alternative. Like, 
Atopia does taste nice. And I feel like the ones that you can mix yeah. are definitely, they kind of, I suppose it's like having an alcohol-free cocktail. You know, they're quite tasty. But like an alcohol-free beer or an alcohol-free wine or champagne or something, I, I suppose I'm a bit more like, I don't really get it. I think it's a bit like, the one I always liken it to is having a fake Christmas tree because <laughs> you still want to be part of the celebration. You still want to have it. You still don't want to be like out of it, but it's just not the real thing. But, but yeah. people still do it because they want to be part of it. And especially when you're in, say, like a wedding and you've got to give a toast, you you don't really want to be toasting with Diet Coke. You want something that looks a bit <laughs> yeah. fancy like everyone else. So, and, and for me, I did quite like the taste. I just always took it a bit too far. So for yeah. me, it's quite nice to have something. And actually, I never really used to drink beer. I was always a spirit person. I've now got more into beer since not drinking, which is quite unusual. But I've come to like the taste of beer knowing that there's no alcohol in it. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah, I would never yeah. drink a beer. I don't even, oh, even the smell. I'm like, look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quite a few people as well said, why does it have to be all or nothing? Why not just moderate? Oh, moderation is tricky. If you can do moderation, great. But so the way alcohol actually affects our brain is it affects the prefrontal cortex, which is like the rational decision-making part of your brain. So even if you said, I'm only having two, once you have those two, your willpower is not the same as it was when you were at zero because actually now your rational decision-making part is wavering a bit. And you're like, actually, it can't weigh up good or bad. It can't weigh up the outcomes of things. So you go, oh, go on then, I'll have a third. So the way alcohol affects your brain makes moderation quite tricky. And there's also a lot of theories that some people are natural moderators. So they can have one biscuit and then go, no, it's okay, take the pack. Or you've got people like me who want to eat the entire pack. So they say for natural moderators, it's actually easier to moderate and for natural abstainers it's easier to just say all or nothing which it is for me because I know that if I had two then I'd be like oh actually I'll have a third oh I'll have a fourth I'll have a fifth and it would just go from there and I think with alcohol in particular we've got this kind of like restriction narrative of like oh actually it's a bad thing if we don't drink it like it will make us boring but I've just had the opposite effect so there for me is no reason to try and make it work like it can be quite exhausting because you have to put rules on it and say you know I'm only going to have two I'm only going to drink on Fridays I'm only going to do this for me it's not even a thing I think about anymore so it's freed up so much like brain space to just think about other things so I completely appreciate moderation is for some people and I'm big on like harm reduction and dry January and people doing things to kind of like lower the harms of alcohol. But for me, like I like abstinence and, and I really enjoy it. I suppose it's just a personal thing, isn't 100%. it? Like you say, it's like whatever you can handle. So but what is like your thing then? So for you, you say it was like a social thing. So you wouldn't drink out of stress then, say, or would you? Like if you were feeling a bit rubbish? I think it started to. I think towards yeah. the end of my drinking, I kind of used it for like insecurity, confidence, stress. But I would kind of always use a social excuse to do that. So if it was like, oh, it's a crap mm. day at work, I would, you know, get everyone in the office to go to the pub and be like, come on, we all deserve it. Let's go. So that was kind of more the way my drinking was. But I did start to use it for things like that and I think what I noticed is that I really started to use it for confidence so if I was dating I would you know use it for that because I wouldn't know how to go on a date and and not drink but actually I've kind of built this like real internal confidence now instead of just always relying on alcohol which Mm. I think has been really great. That was a question that came up actually a lot was how do you date sober? So I guess this comes in two parts. Like how do you, like you say, have the confidence to go on a date and not drink? But then also is there a point where you say, I don't drink? Do you kind of get that out there 
on the off? For me personally, I, I always used to get it out there like straight away because I just didn't want to get on a date with someone and then they had a negative reaction. I thought at least if I told mm. them up front and they weren't okay about it, that's fine. It saves me going on a date with them. But I would add to that, I would say about 95% of people were like really cool with it. And actually, really? it really surprised me. So many people were like, oh, wow, that's like really cool. Or I think people quite liked that I had the confidence to be like, actually, I'm going to come on our date and not drink. And they'd be like, oh, this is unusual, but I quite like it. So I would always tell people up front. But I know some people who do like to live on the edge and tell them that. But I think if you get it up front, then you can just relax while you're getting ready. Like, you know that they know that you don't drink. Mm. So and they still want to go on a date with you. So you've got that thing out of the way. So I would always tell them up front. Mm-hmm. And, and you found confidence-wise, did that take you a while? Did you kind of at first find it more difficult? Yeah, I think doing anything sober is like hard at first. And then just the more you do it, the more you do it, you build up this kind of like library of experiences of actually that wasn't too bad. Actually, I could do that again. So I would like the first sober date I went on, I was probably so nervous but just the more I've done it the more I've got used to it and the more you know how it works and your brain goes actually you can do that you can do that and you you just keep going with it and there was loads of things that I did that I thought made it easier so classic me would have gone to a date really stressed flapping knocked back a glass of wine (laughs) so I would always make sure you know like I'd planned my outfit I knew exactly what I was going to wear I'd Google map the bar so I knew how I was going to get there. Like all those kind of like admin-y things so that I wasn't stressing and flapping just before a date. Those are the kind of things I did at the start, put on a good playlist, got in a good headspace. And then I just carried on going from there, really. And did you ever replace alcohol with anything else? Like, did you like eat more biscuits or chocolate? I don't know. <laughs> I think I did a bit of everything. I did definitely did shopping. I think because I had all this like disposable income, I'd never got to like the end of a month before and had money left. And all of a sudden I had money and I kind of really used it as an excuse of, oh, well, I deserve this handbag because I'm not drinking. And I mean, even three years later, I still do that. I'm like, I can buy this new dress because, you know, I would have spent the money on booze. I'm like, I don't know how long you can get <laughs> yeah, away with that. Yeah, how long does that actually. last? so yours went shopping I feel like mine would end up going to like chocolate or something although I don't feel like I replace like there's uh, I don't do it to replace anything I definitely think I drink more out of like social pressure a hundred percent like there are some times where I'm like oh I really fancy this and I quite felt like feeling a bit merry but I've always been one of those people like I get to the point where I feel a bit merry and I stop but I still get that, like, oh, why aren't you drinking more? Come on. Like, I've never done shots. Like, I do not understand shots. Like, I have this real, I don't, I'm fine with anyone drinking. Like, I don't have an issue with it. I understand it. But I just have this thing of, like, like you were saying, that, like, oh, I'd go out and I'd black out and I wouldn't remember it or whatever. And I'm like, God, you go out and you spend all this money and then you don't even remember the night you had. Yeah. Like stag do's and hen do's and stuff. I'm like, you've it's this real moment in your life for you to remember. And I'm like, but you don't remember it. I just yeah. can't get my head around that. It's so weird. I say this to people all the time when they're like, oh, come on, you remember how fun it used to be? And I was like, I actually, I don't. I don't <laughs> remember. I'm sure it was and you all had a good time, but I don't remember. That's mad though, isn't it? That that's just yeah. normal. Like everyone's yeah. okay with that. 
And that's what one of the things that I always try and get across as well is I'm not trying to make everyone in the world stop drinking yeah. like you. I, I I know why people do it. I mean, I did it. I would be such like a hypocrite if I started saying that. But I just think everyone can benefit from like having a little think about the relationship with alcohol and actually why do we go like go hard or go home? Mm. I think everyone can sort of drink a bit more mindfully or get a bit more sober curious. Do you feel like the younger generation are kind of more on board with it? Because I, I don't know, but I kind of get the vibe that the younger generation are just more aware of health they're more aware of the world we live in and kind of I don't know trying to make the world a better place and that sounds really cheesy and aware of like our bodies and being healthy is the binge drinking thing as big I'm sure it is in some places but do you think it's kind of it will kind of weed itself out or do you think it's something that's here to stay it's interesting because the stats are definitely showing that young people are drinking a lot less. The mm. kind of naysayers of that say that they're doing more drugs. So cannabis is on the rise, like okay. benzodiazepines. <laughs> so it's hard to say really, but I do think the kind of drinking is actually becoming kind of like less glamorized for them. And I, I do think social media has played a massive part in that really? because I think they're so like aware that kind of like the world is their oyster and they could build their own businesses and they could go traveling and they can do all these things and actually binge drinking all the time is probably just going to hold them back whereas when I first started drinking I didn't even have Facebook so the world was like quite small and nothing felt really like that achievable it was like okay well I'm gonna go to uni I'm gonna come and get a job and then that's it and whereas now they kind of know that they could do everything and I think it also gives us like a, a window into other people's lives and sort of like to, even towards the end of my drinking, I would wake up and I would, you know, be piecing together my night in a kebab shop and I would have looked and like someone from my school had like upcycled a chair by like 9am and I'd be like, <laughs> oh God. And that would make me feel worse about my own drinking. So I think it's kind of, I think it has definitely helped change the narrative and also because... I mean, again, the naysayers kind of say, oh, it's all like appearance led, but they do kind of, for me, I was drinking in dingy clubs with a digital camera. Now they're not necessarily doing that. They're like going to these amazing things. They're going traveling. They're taking all these beautiful pictures. So I think it is going to change. I think it's going to be really interesting. Okay. So what would be then your three bits of advice for people who are looking to give up booze to like kind of help their mental health then? I would say, like, have a look out there because there is, like, a whole corner of the internet that is dedicated to, like, sober curiosity, mindful drinking or giving up altogether. So there's, like, so many programs you could do. You can get a coach, you can read books, you can listen to podcasts. Like, there's literally podcasts that are just dedicated to alcohol-free living. So I would say, like, do your research is one. Find a good alternative, I would say, is number two because that was, like, such a massive thing for me. And then also, like, find a community or like-minded people. It doesn't have to be a community of people necessarily who are not drinking, but if you want to kind of change your life to be a little bit more or a little less alcohol, you could find like a hiking group, you can find like a walking group, you could find something where the focus isn't necessarily on drinking and meet mm. new people who don't necessarily just go out and drink and party all the time. They would be like three things yeah. but I mean Sober Girl Society there's like hundreds and hundreds of tips and advice and stuff that you can utilize so I would just say check out like everything on the internet is great yeah I've not really thought of that I suppose like find other things you enjoy because I do think and I don't know if you found this like I've got like my really close group of friends and I know if I turned around and said to them guys I just don't want to drink anymore they might at first be like oh no you know come on and then I know they'd all get over it but I do think like back in the day I would have had a group of people that 
I don't know, sometimes you realise you have a group of people that you just go out with yes. and they would be the people that you'd probably lose. And I suppose it's then going, well, are they integral friendships that are part of my life that I really need or are they just social people that I go out with and drink with? And then finding other things to do to like instead of do that is such a great idea. Yeah, 100%. I think there's a famous quote from Professor David Nutt, who was like the old UK chief government advisor, and he says that people drink for two reasons, and that is to increase pleasure and reduce pain. So for me, it was like finding things that give me pleasure and finding things that reduce pain that aren't alcohol. So like if I'm stressed, okay, what can I do instead of stress? If I want joy, what can I do that's joyful and that I enjoy doing that isn't alcohol? So like those two things are so important. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. I'm always like, like I said, I'm not a massive drinker. And sometimes I, th- I question why I still do drink on nights out and why I don't just say, no, you know what, guys, I'm not drinking tonight and can stick to that. So I think it's how so many people will be feeling. So thank you. I found it interesting. You've definitely made me like have a think and go, Frank, come on just kind of pull up your socks and say no I just don't want to so hopefully it's helped loads of other people and it was a subject that seemed quite popular because like I said I think people are more aware of their health and their mental health and how different things affect it so thank you so much and keep up the good work oh thank you so much for having me Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Mind. I hope this has been really helpful to you. If you have been affected by this episode or would like to find out any more information regarding mental health, then please head over to mind.org.uk. And please don't forget to follow me on Instagram to look out for my stories where I'll reveal each new guest and collect all of your fantastic questions that I'll get to ask them. Speak soon. Hi guys, summer's finally here and I'm looking forward to catching up with friends and family as much as possible. At all those get-togethers, I like to have the option of being able to moderate my alcohol intake without missing out on the occasion. That's when I love a refreshing Atopia and Tonic. It's an award-winning non-alcoholic spirit with all the flavour of a premium gin but less than 0.5% alcohol. Our friends at Atopia have given us an exclusive offer for Open Mind listeners. Just head over to clinkspirits.com and use the code OPENMIND at checkout to get £5 off a bottle of Atopia and free shipping. Enjoy the summer with a bit of mindful moderation.